Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. Today we're answering questions from our students. And the question now is, let's see. I've been reading a PDF about Jung and shamanism slash archetypes. And I was wondering if y'all could speak a little bit to that. I found this amazing section that describes how he went through the confrontation of the unconscious during a four-year period of intense isolation and rejection from Freud. Yeah, so shamanism and the archetypes, it's very it's a very curious thing. And if you read Jung's book, the the Red Book, it is incredibly shamanic, right? His his practice of active imagination is actually an incredibly shamanic activity and uh here i'll read the the wikipedia summary here of it and uh, and you'll you'll see definitely the the shamanic links so active imagination a meditation technique wherein the contents of one's unconscious are translated into images narrative or personified as separate entities it can serve as a bridge between the conscious ego and the unconscious. This often includes working with dreams and the creative via imagination or fantasy. Um, so basically, okay, key to active imagination is the goal of restraining the conscious waking mind from exerting influence on internal images as they unfold. For example, if a person were recording a spoken visualization of a scene or object from a dream, Young's approach would ask the practitioner to observe the scene, watch for changes, and report them, rather than to consciously fill the scene with one's desired changes, right? And so you, this act of imagination, you literally are um, allowing your, your mind to engage with something, to engage with internal images that you are not controlling, and that you are just allowing to unfold as they come, right? And certainly, right, this can be used to communicate with the unconscious mind. And this is how Jung was using it. And you see how he uses it within the Red Book. I mean, it's incredibly shamanic, you know, his journeys with Philemon, you know, his, his journeys in the Red Book. They are clearly, you know, these, these guided guided journeys and here is then the 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 one thing that would differ in, in that how i would interpret it slightly differently which is that the thing within young of course is that this act of imagination is coming from your unconscious mind and therefore these these beings and such that are coming to you in this active imagination state in this in turn in these internal images is coming from your unconscious mind and while that can certainly be some of it, right, um, with the, of course, when shamanism comes into it, the realization is there that there are external entities that can interact with you through these internal images, right? And so, and so therefore, yes, there, there might be things coming from your, from your subconscious mind, from your unconscious, but there can be this external beings, external presences coming to you and interacting with you through this. And and frankly, when I read the Red Book, I'm very much sensing that there is definitely spirits 
interacting with Jung. And in fact, if you ever read Jung's, uh, what is it, the Seven Sermons to the Dead or Nine Sermons to the Dead? Anyways, Jung's Sermons to the Dead. Um, he he writes this text that is very, very uh, Gnostic regarding the, the fate of the soul. And the thing is, right, that he had this this experience that set off the writing of this short text in which he heard his front doorbell ringing, right? And he, and it's going ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. And he goes and he, he looks and there's no one there, but the door, the doorbell is still ringing. And, and he looks out and he actually looks around and he looks at the doorbell and he can see the doorbell being depressed right? Being pushed down and then released and then pushed down and released again. So Jung was, was certainly having these ghost encounters through his life. In fact, uh, it's much, there's certain people who have, who've uh, made the case that Jung was much more of a mystic, especially in his later life than a, than a, you know, than a, uh, psychoanalyst. And, um, and that he, you know, he had, poltergeist type encounters and he had um these types of odd events throughout his life and of course where that goes with the uh, the the doorbell story is that he felt then that there were all these presences that came into the house when he opened the door and he felt compelled to write down uh, sit down and write these sermons to the dead almost as a channeling right so there's certainly many interesting things going on with young's life and I would question whether at some point he he started wondering if uh, these beings are were just archetypal forms within his mind or whether he was encountering um, spirits and, and other beings because he was having enough paranormal stuff going on in his life, right? And remember, this is the guy who came up with the theory of synchronicity that... Uh, the, that very odd events do happen. So he was very open to um, to all this. So that's something to to consider. Now, I I feel that Jungian psychology is useful in some regards, but it can also be um, dangerous when you are working with shamanism. Because there is the temptation to take all the experiences that you have from shamanic journeying and to start to personalize them and psychologize them and basically say, well, these are, these are all just you know, parts of my own mind, part of my own archetypes, part of my own subconscious or my own unconscious mind, um, or you know, parts of the collective unconscious that are coming through to me. Um, and this, this can be... Uh, problematic when you start to work with spirits who might be offended by that, you know, in other words, like, no, I'm not part of your human subconscious or unconscious mind. I am my own being, right? Um, I am certainly my own being. And, um, and this, you know, this can be offensive to them. Uh, And, this is something that we encountered when uh, when Laova had uh, when we had this possession experience at the beginning of our relationship, right? Uh, when Laova was possessed 
and um, afterwards we went to the various shamans that that Laova knew um, and shamanic practitioners and we we sought out you know whether they had some insight and the thing that we got over and over again um, was this this understanding of uh, of uh, of shamanism where this whatever came through was some part of of Laova, right? Some sub, uh, some pr- suppressed part of her own personality that came through within this possession event, and it's like what? Like no, that <laughs> it was something definitely not her, right? And so you can see how this kind of these these archetypal and psychologizing ideas uh, can have an effect when it comes to. Uh, taking the the role of the spirits um, and the existence of the spirits seriously, and and this was actually something that was very much on our mind when we founded, well, the Mondanak Center, which later became the Spirit World Center, uh, because we we wanted to create a safe place for those who had had uh, paranormal experiences that they wouldn't have to feel. Uh, weird or uh, feel like they were going to be judged for for having paranormal experiences and knowing in their own hearts that the spirits are actual legitimate external entities that they have interacted with and seen right because you know i i won't say that's a majority within uh within neo-shamanism but there is certainly a very strong minority or a very strong number of practitioners that are out there who do adopt kind of this kind of psychology model of shamanism and this uh, archetypal model of shamanism uh, where it is all these these parts of your own unconscious mind that you're working with and so we wanted to just and this is why we named the 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 type of shamanism that we were teaching uh spirit-based shamanism because we wanted people to know, look, you come here and if you've had paranormal experiences, we are taking them seriously, right? We are, we're not going to say, oh, it was just something that was, you know, some, uh, that, that, <laughs> you know, that wasn't actually an ancient deity reaching out to you. That was some part of your own, uh, uh, as part of your own subconscious mind, right? Uh, we never want people to think that that might, that might be what they encounter, and uh, so that was something that was very strongly on our mind to create that inclusive place for people who have had these spirit encounters, know that these spirits are external and and uh, and want to learn how to work with them. Right. So this is why we called it spirit based shamanism. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the the um, ultimately with Jung, I think it's absolutely amazing what Jung was doing, his active imagination and how he was writing the red book he was doing shamanic things whether he realized it or not um and um i would say that you know certainly certainly okay the the archetypal idea works right there we have very large minds right think about the higher self right when we talk about unconscious mind often i'm thinking um it's it's material that's coming to you in an unconscious way, unconscious to you, not from below, but from above, from your higher self. And so absolutely, there can be all these archetypal patterns and ideas coming to you 
from your higher self or from that unconscious, right? Because right now your higher self is unconscious to you um, because you're only conscious of your current incarnation. Um, so all this information certainly can come down to you. Uh, and and so, yes, there is that, that archetypal stuff that can be going on. Uh, but I would just strongly caution people uh, to not fall into the trap of uh, making everything an archetype, right? That would be that would be my number one thing. But yeah, I love Jung. I love Jung's work, uh, his work on alchemy and everything. And it's just so clear that he was having all these paranormal experiences throughout his life. And he was having all of these, um, all of these very shamanic experiences with active imagination. And uh, yeah, I just, I think that he's a, a fascinating being. And um, I think there's a lot to learn from his work. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot more mysticism going on in Jung than what a lot of the Jungian scholars allow themselves to admit. I would say that as well, that there's a lot more acceptance of the supernatural probably within Jung the person and within what he didn't write as opposed to what has come down to us, right? You have to remember that that Red Book was hidden from publication for like a good 50 years. Like the family did not want that published uh, because it would tarnish his reputation, right? Uh, it, it, it's it's um, amazing that we finally have it. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, ultimately in my personal sense, the guy was a mystic and he was certainly tapping into, uh, through his active imagination, he was doing a form of, of uh, shamanic journeying, and I think he was, he was ultimately tapping into his higher self, which uh, you know, to me, of course, is the is the unconscious, um, and he was certainly tapping into. Well, I would suspect that he was tapping into other beings as well, who were communicating through the internal, uh, the internal um, images that he was becoming aware of within his active imagination. So there's a lot going on in Jung. I think it's it's really wonderful stuff. Anyways, that's all for this question today. Um, take care, everybody. Lots of love and light, and bye-bye.